Well, what a wonderful day. Great day. Baptisms, awesome. I always enjoy it. I always like to watch the faces of people coming up. I'm sort of judging to see how cold the water might be <laughs> and whether Zach has done a good job of heating it up. Oh, sorry, I gave you the name away there, Zach. So if there's any complaints, sorry. Uh, <laughs> well, it's, it's one of those things. It doesn't matter about the temperature of the water because you're going to do it. Because when you've had an encounter with Christ, nothing's going to stop you. You know, I know in some countries of the world where they're not allowed to practice Christianity, they're breaking the ice to be baptized in it. And uh, I didn't quite get to that cold, but I had it pretty cold for myself. I was baptized in the Torrens River at Highbury in uh, this sort of weather, and it was, it was pretty cold. <laughs> but I thought they couldn't do it in places, you know, that uh, break ice. I can do this. It's all good. But it's, it's an amazing time, and it actually speaks of their testimony of what Christ has done for them. And I thought, wow, this, this is incredible. Yeah, because there are two realities that we live in. There's the reality of this fallen world, and there's the reality of the kingdom of God. And when you realize that, it opens up a whole new level of life. You know, I always think, I remember the time before I came to the encounter, I was traveling in this world thinking, what is this crazy world about? And it's just got crazier, by the way, I think. And I could never make sense of it because I was living in a reality of a fallen world, a world that was apart from God. But then when I realized there was more to that, and I searched and sought out what is the answer for life, the meaning of life, and for those, that's no, not 43 from that uh, show, that so the answer to meaning of life is 43, I don't know what all that means anyway, but, uh, but there was more to life, and uh, when you have an encounter with a person that brings life, when you have that encounter with a person who made life, it changes your life. And uh, it's been so... I think uh, I was about 21 years old when I first received Christ. And the first thing I wanted to do was like get the checklist done. What does God require of me? And it was baptism. And that's the first thing I did. And we used to have a baptism font in the church I was at. But I just felt God specifically said, you've come out of the world, I want you to be the witness to the world. And so I decided to get baptized in the Torrens River. You've probably seen some, it's not always the cleanest. But this is good. That was pretty dangerous back then to even contemplate the idea. But uh, I said, no, I, I, I want the world to see that I'm changed. I want the world to see that I'm a new creation in him. And so uh, on, I think it was around May that I got baptized. David, you'd probably be there at the time, yeah? It was quite an uh, uh, interesting time. I had my footy shorts on and, <laughs> and it was absolutely freezing. But I knew that God had prepared something because I'd gone down there two weeks earlier and the river didn't have much flowing water in it. It looked a bit gungy. You know, you get these algae and stuff on there. I'm going, God, you're going to have to do a miracle here. And uh, when we did arrive, it was crystal clear. It was great. It was freezing, but it was great. <laughs> really loved it. But that's the difference. That's the reality um, that you're willing to go into to hear. That's the real reality of life is God's kingdom. Like I said, there is another kingdom that is fighting against God's kingdom, but the reality we live in and live for is God's kingdom. Amen. So this morning, I want to continue on the line of our subject matter, which is set apart. It's almost a continuation from when I spoke last time, part two is my part three, and um, about our response, because God has set us apart, and because he set us apart, requires a response from us to set ourselves apart from the world, apart from this other reality. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your truth. 
And Father, I pray this morning as we look at your word that you'll speak to us through it. Not my words, but your words be spoken. God, let us be transformed, let us be changed by what you speak through to us today. Father, I just pray you'll touch everyone here in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. I beseech you, therefore, brothers, by the mercy of God, to present your bodies and live in sacrifice. It's an unusual word. We don't use that word, do we? I beseech you. It sounds very, I beseech you. There we go. We start a new trend. Youth always come up with these new words. Well, let's us start us one. I beseech you. <laughs> but uh, one of the key things in this verse here straight away actually says, I beseech you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living sacrifice. Present. So it's on our behalf to present. It's not a, a demand. I demand you to. Paul didn't say that. I, he says, uh, by, brothers, by the mercy of God, present yourself. So we need to understand that we need to present ourselves as a living sacrifice. Now, if you're one of those people that write notes and, and love scribbling in your Bible, underline that word living sacrifice. Because in the Old Testament, we, ha- we read of lots of sacrifices. You know, there was the atonement for sin of animals who were killed. It would have been a completely uh, messy situation back then, uh, uh, killing animals and things to uh, the atonement of sin. And, uh, but this is a completely different sort of understanding here. Paul leans on that understanding of the sacrifices of, of old, but they were just dead sacrifice. It was a one sacrifice and dead. And of course, Jesus was the ultimate sacrifice in giving his life for us. But here he now says to us, present your bodies a, as a living sacrifice. Now, that, that means it's not a, just a one-off thing. Like a sacrifice, you know, you used to burn the animal, boom, that's done. Here he's saying a living sacrifice, which means it's continual. Every day is a sacrifice. Every day is a new day, and there is no end to it until you die. So what does that mean for you and I? It means there's a change that needs to take place. A living sacrifice, you know, is a constant new thing we, we give ourselves to every day. You know, it should be in the morning like, God, good morning, God. You ever say that? Like, just talk to God. Hey, good morning. Uh, what have you got in store for me today? God, what is it you want of me? See, it's for us to actually line ourselves up with the will of God and the purposes of God every morning. And that's what it is, because we're given our lives, present our body as a living sacrifice. We're coming before Him. You know, and uh, this sacrifice is a daily thing, which requires a discipline. You know, we're so undisciplined sometimes, aren't we? You know, or we can be disciplined for a short time, then we get bored with it. So we uh, quickly change to something else. But God's Word teaches us to be disciplined in Him and the things of Him. Colossians 3, 1 says, If then you are raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Being mindful of things above, not on things on the earth. For you died, and your life has been hidden with Christ in God. Be mindful of things above, not on the things of this earth. Our whole sacrificial life, living a sacrifice, is to be mindful of the things above, meaning the things of God, and not the things here on earth. But quite often we get so caught up in the things of this earth and we totally ignore or uh, relent on the things of God that we've been called to do. So Paul brings this out as a point for us to understand to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. That means daily. You know, 
in your Christian walk, you, would, you don't just accept Christ and you're a Christian and that's the end of it. There's a requirement to continue on. You were saved from this rotten uh, world from sin uh, to actually live a life for Him. And that life is a sacrifice. You know, you, you start to see things in a whole different light. You start to operate differently. And I know for myself and each one of you here, if you've, ever, if you've made a decision for Christ and you've been a Christian for some time now, you should be able to see a, a distinct difference from when you first received him to where you are now. There should be something that's changing. I, I remember as a youth leader um, in the early days when I first came to Christ, I was pretty much worldly still. I was 21, just come out, out of uh, the world and shoved into a position of uh, youth leadership very soon, too soon. <laughs> and I was a very naughty boy. And, um, and uh, because I've not yet learned the things of God, I'm still learning, growing what that sacrifice means. It means to put your old self to death. The way you used to do things, don't do that anymore. I often have a laugh when my daughter's just talking about some of the things I did, uh, particularly to my daughter Ashley, who's our youth pastor, because when I was involved with youth, um, some of the things I did then, I, I said, don't you ever do that. <laughs> I, I, I sort of astounded, but that's because I hadn't quite moved into the new understanding of living that sacrifice, deny myself, deny my old ways and those things. I can always remember, and I've, I've said this story before about taking a youth group of about 16 kids to the Royal Show. And I uh, thought, yeah, and my boss had this big F100 truck van thing, and we crammed them all in the back, which was a no-no as it, you know, there's no seatbelts in the thing. And, uh, but it was all good. That's how I used to live, you know. It was great, no, no problems. And uh, my sister worked for Farmers Union Corporation, and she was offered some members' tickets that they held on to. They had to return them afterwards, but she could give them to people to use to get them for free. And then they were handed back, you know, like that. So she gave me some, and I wasn't quite sure how many I had until we kind of rocked up. We had 16 kids, and I, was only, I found out we had eight tickets. What do you do? Any, meeny, miny, moe? No. Um, but because I still hasn't, haven't sort of worked into the new life yet, I'm still young, I go, well, it's easy, isn't it? You eight go in with the tickets. When you get in... Meet us at the fence, pass them through the fence, and then we're <laughs> I thought it was the right thing to do, the just thing to do. How could I give it to eight and not the other? <laughs> but that's the sort of world that we uh, came from, but now there's a new world. And I sometimes think about those moments, and I go, oh, you naughty boy. <laughs> but that's the change, and that's the, um, the sacrifice that we make, we, we're no longer living for ourselves or our old ways, but we're now moving into a new way of life, a new way in Christ. That's what a daily sacrifice is. It's like, well, I want to do it. No, no, I'm not going to do this. What did God want me to do? You know, what does God call me to do? And uh, the right thing. But God has always has plans for you. We know in, in Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you. And this is so good to know that God has plans for you. Because when you, when you first come into the Christian life or understanding or just prior to that, you, you're kind of still trying to work out what life's all about. Like, what, what is life all about? I know lots of people say they've got no hope. They don't know what's going on in this world. And I was at that place too until I found Christ. And then when you know that God has plans for you, that opens up a whole new deal. Like, what? You mean there's more to this? Because I used to, like, just waste time and think, oh, 
what's the point? I used to say, what's the point? What's the point anything? You know, because it's all meaningless. As um, it says, uh, but in Jeremiah 29, it says, for I know the purposes which I am purposing for you, says the Lord. So when our focus is on God, we start to open up what he's meaning by that. And, and as a great understanding that he set us apart for a certain time as this, a certain reason for a certain meaning, a certain purpose in your life. And when you know God has set that in your life, it just goes, wow, you know, it just gives you a lift. Because particularly younger ones here, they're leaving school, wondering what career to take and what I'm supposed to do. It's quite mind-boggling. You know, what do I do? I don't know what I do when I leave school. That's all I've ever done is school. I don't know what to do after school. You know, I remember, you know, you, you get those books that try to line you up with certain things that you could be good at and all this. But to know that God has it covered, that God has something for you, it helps you in a whole meaning. It takes away that stress and that feeling. I mean, I started in the, in the role of mechanics and um, other things I, I just like playing with. But I didn't know God had another purpose for me, another plan. And it wasn't until I sensed it, as I became Christian, I thought, wow, this is very interesting. God, you know, because I want to continue in my whole role of mechanics and businesses. I had a few guys who want to start a business up, and I, uh, and I just felt God say, no, I've got other things for you. I go, what? You know, what could be better than having your own business? You know? <laughs> I think God knows. And, uh, and it was kind of like that, but I thought, no, I've, I've got to listen to God here. I'm going to sacrifice what I think is good, my, this business deal. And line myself up with the call of God. Now, I didn't know what that was going to mean. I didn't know where it was going to head. But I had little hints along the way with people. You know, when people come alongside you and say, well, I think God's going to use you in this. Don't you hate that when they say that? Use you as something? Oh, I think I know what God's going to use you for. Well, tell me. No, no, I can't tell you. No, no, you'll find out. Don't you hate that? Just the waiting, going, well, okay, God's going to use me something. I had that back in the first year or so of becoming a Christian, somebody said to me that God's going to use you to be uh, like an evangelist or something like that or in that sort of way. And uh, I went, oh yeah, I didn't know what an evangelist was back then. I was so young and stupid. And, uh, but uh, then as life progressed, some interesting things happened. You know, I used to run the youth group here uh, years ago and uh, I thought that was it. That's my call. My ministry is youth. It's all good. Love it do a good job at it, get people in trouble through it, <laughs> but love it. And uh, I mean, it's so tame these days, the youth is so tame about in my day. But uh, I thought that was it. And, and so I was doing youth, running youth, I ran youth in a couple of different churches for something like 15 years I was involved with. And uh, then suddenly God says to me, this is not it. And I go, what? What do you mean it's not it? God, what are you saying? This is it. Yeah, come on, God. You've had me doing it like for several years now in different churches. What do you mean it's not a... Is this the devil? Come on, this is the devil playing tricks. Isn't it? It's not God, is it? You need to get that sort of moment where you're not sure because you thought you were so sure that this is the thing. And God goes, no, that's, I, I want you to give it up, in fact. Well, I can't do that. How can I give it up? That's all I know. You know, you get a confidence or a security in something and, and then God's shaking you and says, no, your security is in me, not in, in anything else. Oh, whoa, okay, okay, I got that, I got that. So I, I remember distinctly going, okay, it's yours. I, I remember going to the, uh, my assistant guy and I said, look, at the end of the year, it's all yours. He goes, what do you mean? The youth, it's all yours. You can't just dump it like that. <laughs> I said, no, I'm giving you six months, that's all right. And uh, anyway, in, the, in that story, I started to wonder what, what's next. Because we always want to know what's next, don't we? we? 
We never sort of like uh, go to a place like, well, okay, that's it, I'm going to retire now. I want to tell you there's no retirement in the kingdom of God. No, you don't retire. You may change positions, uh, positions and things, but that's about it. So I remember going through this time, and because I was always involved with things. I'm always doing things. And people said, well, okay, you've quit the youth now. I said, I didn't quit. I retired. And, uh, and they said, what are you going to do now? And I said, well, I don't know. They said, come on, you know, you know. And I said, no, I don't know. I don't know, really. I don't believe you. I don't believe you. And, and I was starting to really get a bit like, oh, this is annoying. People keep asking me what I'm going to do next when I don't even know myself. And it was about that time where I firstly had, it was actually Leanne down here. Leanne says to me, says, God's told me you're going to be a pastor. Something like that you said to me. I can't remember exact words. And I went, well, that's nice. Why didn't he tell me? <laughs> and then uh, I, I think shortly after that, I had a phone call from a friend in Perth. And I thought, well, this is really crazy. I haven't seen him in seven years or spoken to him. And um, so he rings me up and he goes, how you going? It's Shane here from Perth. I go, Shane, haven't heard from you for ages. How you been? He goes, oh, 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 hold the line a minute. I've got to tell you something that happened this morning before we get into the, that kind of deal. He says, I've just come back from church. And he says, you know, just worshiping like normal, nothing out of the norm. And he said, and then suddenly I saw a vision. And I said, well, that's nice. And he says, no, no, you don't get it. I've never seen a vision in my life. This has never happened to me before. I thought, oh, okay, that's interesting. And uh, he says, well, I've got to tell you, what I saw was you. Oh, that's a bit weird. And <laughs> God gives you your first vision. It's about a guy you haven't seen for seven years. He says, you don't understand. I saw you. You're going to be a pastor. And God, God was showing me that you're going to be a pastor. And I go, hey, on. So he's told one lady over here. He's told Leanne. He's told my friend Shane. He still hasn't told me. <laughs> What's going on here? And I have to get suspicious. Okay. Because as a young Christian, I remember always worried about the devil playing tricks. You know, oh, is this a devil thing? But again, I thought, no, the devil's not going to make me a pastor, is he? No. <laughs> that just wouldn't make sense. So I, I started praying, God, show me what this means. And within like a couple of days, the senior minister at the time, he says, look, I've got to meet with you. And I was just heading out the door to play basketball, you know, 10.30 at night or something. And uh, he, he's, he says, no, no, cancel that. I said, oh, can I meet tomorrow instead? I've got basketball. He goes, no, 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 this is important. And he came around and, and shared what he felt God put on his heart about me being a pastor. And I went, what? Any pastor I ever dealt with is the stuff you have in a bowl with spaghetti. Uh, so that's as, as much as what I kind of knew about it. But God had better plans. So, you know, uh, so me being here today, you can blame God, okay? <laughs> so, uh, uh, it was never what I thought it was going to happen. But what I'm saying out of all this is that we can have our understanding of what we think life is all about and where we're going to put ourselves job-wise, but God has other plans. And it's important that we get hold of His plans and not run with ours. So many lives are, uh, are ruined because they take the wrong plans. We've got to align ourselves and sacrifice our plans to Him because that will be the best. And like I said, it certainly is the best. The people I've met and encounters I've had as a pastor has been incredible. And this is a sacrifice that Jesus asked each one of us to follow. This sacrifice about laying down your life. It says in Matthew 16, 24, Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross 
and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life shall lose it, and whoever denies to lose his life for my sake shall find it. For what is a man profiteth? He shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul. Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? You know, we've got to understand we're only on this planet for a short time. Eternity is so much bigger. Like, how can you comprehend eternity? Forever, 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 forever. It just, you know, we can't even comprehend that. But that's the world or the realm that God lives in. That's the realm that we will be in him with. And so we've got to realize, whatever we're doing now is only short term. We are, uh, as a Christian, it says we are like passing through. This is not our home, okay? If you think this is your home, well, it's not as a Christian. We're just passing through. Our home is upward. <laughs> and, uh, and I think people need to understand that because we get so precious about things. We get so precious about things. And I remember sharing a story. God just gave me a vision one time for a message. And uh, it was like he showed me people going to, on a holiday, they go to a caravan park. Now, when you go to a caravan park, you're over in a tent or a caravan or something like that. It's very temporary. You're going to move. You're not going to stay there for the rest of your life. And he says, yet some people are going there with a, with a truck full of cement and bricks and going to build their house there in the camping van, uh, campsite. He said, it's not like that. We, we are only passing through. It's only a temporary thing. So we don't build a solid foundation in something that's only temporary. And yet some of us have lived our lives like that. Some of our lives are lived totally to that whole concept that this is my home, this is where I'm going to stay, and I've got my life in a bubble, and I know this is what I want, and ignore everything else. Well, there's a bigger reality outside your reality, and it's a reality that God himself is uh, causing us to live in. So we're not conformed to this world. It says in this passage, um, let me just get through again. It says, I beseech you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, wholly pleasing to God, which is your reasonable service. And then it says, and do not be conformed to this world. See, because you cannot live a holy sacrificial life to God if you're being changed or dragged in by the world. Because the two oppose each other. There's the world, and then there's God. And the two don't come together. And we need to understand that uh, we, we move out of that by, it says, by, um, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So to change your position, to move to, where, to the new spot, you've got to renew your mind. I picked up this word on my last preaching thing about the word renew means to renovate. It's to rip out all the old stuff. Like I gave an analogy of a bathroom when you renovate it, you rip everything out. You know, the old bathtub, the shower, the toilet. You don't leave bits in there and just touch up bits. It looks really patchy. I saw my dad do that one time and it looked awful. He uh, tried to do a, a dodgy uh, renovation and, <laughs> and it looked dodgy. <laughs> so, but God's not like that. When he wants you to renew, it says rip out everything so I can replace a lot with something new. And that's what he does for you and I. So we're not to conform to this world because this world, it says the God of this world is Satan. It's not the God of the universe. And he's running around this world, as we know, creating havoc and chaos. And that's why it says you can't be conformed to the standards of this world. Look what this world is constantly doing, changing laws and, and things. We've seen things in the parliament right now. Uh, euthanasia bill, we've had the abortion, the birth bill. It goes on and on and on. This is the world. That's not God's world. It says do not conform. Don't give in to these things. We've got to stand and fight. 
for the truth. We've got to stand for God's word. So it says, do not conform to this world, but, by, uh, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Change the way you think. You change the way you think, you'll change the way you act. Philippians 4 says, Finally, my brothers, whatever things are true, whatever things are honest, what, whatever things are right, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue, if there is any praise, think on these things. Do these things which you have also learned and received and heard and seen in me, and the God of peace shall be with you. Here is how, this is where our focus should be. Not on worldly things, but on godly things. And I'm telling you, if you're going to set your life apart for God, expect encounters of the worst kind. In the sense, the devil always comes to attack. He doesn't attack those that are on his side, you know. And that's why I often see, uh, and I've spoken to Christians, and, and I've shared some of the stories of the attacks I've had, you know, we've had as a family and things. And I've said, you know, this is part of the deal. The devil doesn't like anybody that represents God. And if you're a Christian and you never, oh, well, this never, ever happened to me. Well, <laughs> I say, well, I think you need to have a good look at your life <laughs> uh, because the, the devil doesn't like us because we're made in the likeness and the image of him. In Genesis 1, 26 and 27, it says we're made in his image, his likeness. So when the devil sees you, he sees what God has made and he hates it and he's going to try to take you out. So we've got to understand that there is an enemy that comes against us but there is a God that is for us. The greater is he that is in us than he is in the world. And we can stand on that. But we've got to understand it's the mind where the enemy attacks. The enemy always attacks in the mind. As he did with Adam and Eve where he said, did he say you couldn't eat of that tree? Did he really say that? Now how many times do we hear that when we are tempted to do the wrong thing? We start justifying in our mind. It's the mind that starts going, oh, I'll be okay. God won't mind. It's just once off, you know. It's not that bad. I've seen, you know, other things that are worse. You know, someone killed somebody, you know. I'm just, just want to steal something. But, you know. <laughs> it's that we, we do that crazy talk in our heads trying to justify it. But sin is sin. It's not like, you know, uh, you know, that's a little sin, that's a big sin. It's sin. God sees it as sin. It's an offense to God. So the enemy always attacks you in the mind. That's where you've got to be strong in the word of God to understand when that attack comes because it will send alarm bells. If you're, if, you're, if you're getting this ideas of doing some wrong stuff, God's word will stand up within you and say, hey, that's wrong. And we're going to change that. He attacks in the mind. He says if he can get you thinking wrong, he knows your actions will be wrong. It's like a computer garbage in, garbage out. Be aware of the devil's schemes. As Paul says, we're not ignorant of his devices. The devil has got devices against you to bring you down, to stop you from the call of God, to stop you from doing what God has called you to. He tried to do that with Jesus in Matthew chapter 16. The devil tried to stop Jesus when he got Peter whispering in his ear, you know. Oh, the devil, sorry, Satan was whispering in Peter's ear to try to stop Jesus going forward from what God had planned him to. And Jesus replied, get behind me, Satan. God has counted on you to show the world a better place. You know, we are called... Being set apart, we are called to be ambassadors for Christ. You know, so we represent Him. Or at least we should. There's a worry if we're not. Because you shouldn't call yourself a Christian and, uh, and don't represent Him. I only had a talk, oh, I mentioned names. But, <laughs> uh, I had a talk with a particular politician, and uh, we were having a discussion about a particular politician. 
who is very much like that. He'd stand up in Parliament and says, as a Christian, and then what would follow would be all anti-Christian stuff. So he'd oppose all the, the bills, like he was for abortion, he was for euthanasia, for prostitution, uh, goes on, uh, same-sex marriage, all these things that are ungodly, he's for, but he would start off his, his talk with, as a Christian. And I thought, I was in the Parliament one time, I almost felt, I almost had to restrain myself and tell them to sit down and shut up. <laughs> anyway. So the new us is a different person. So daily we're given a sacrifice. Daily we renew in our mind. We're working towards the new person that Christ has called us to. And that's why it says in Colossians, a whole list of things here. Therefore, put to death your members which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanliness, passion, evil desire. And it goes on and on right now. It goes on to even to off these things, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, shameful speech out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another. Haven't put off the old man with his deeds and haven't put on a new, haven't been renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. There's a whole new life that God has purpose for you. And so it's like you're a new restored pe- person. Um, God is doing a work in you to change you, to make you uh, in the image of his son. God is, as one person said, God is not trying to change you. He's trying to replace you with Christ. That Christ is in you and you're walking from a whole new way of life. And why is this so? Because it finishes off in this verse of Romans 12 that we would prove by what is good and pleasing the perfect will of God. So we are called to demonstrate the perfect, uh, sorry, pleasing and perfect will of God. Our life should be a testimony to everyone around. You know, people can see something different about you. You go, oh, you're, you're not like the rest of these guys here. You know, you, you seem to uh, use um, nice language. <laughs> uh, you, you don't seem to, uh, uh, you're always very nice to people who you approach. You don't seem very selfish. Like, you know, there's a whole difference. As a Christian, you should stand out because we've been set apart. We've been set apart to stand out so we could actually be a, a walking billboard for Christ, that people would see Christ in us. So, we need to know what that looks like, that changed person. And that's where it's so important that we actually read our Bibles, not just say I carry a Bible, but we actually read our Bibles. We learn who God is. We live out of that book. A guy called Smith Wigglesworth in 1928, around that sort of era, he said, I'm a man of one book. That's it, the Bible. And he was. He was a very eccentric character, but an amazing things took place when he learned who he was, his call, and his purpose in God. Amazing miracles of God. He raised 21 people plus from the dead. He was not shy to step out and believe what the word of God says. He said, I'm not moved by what I see. I'm moved by what I believe. And when we become in a position where we are moved by what we believe, as in God's word rather than what we see in the world going crazy now, it will change the whole aspect of your thinking. Smith Wigglesworth understood the word of God is all powerful. He, he was set apart to demonstrate that power. He traveled the world. He came to Australia in 1928, I think it was, and uh, administered to churches there, and people saw amazing things take place. He knew the reality of the kingdom of God opposed to the kingdom of darkness. And he said he would not be shy in any way to actually preach the word of God, to share it and see it wherever he was. You know, there's many stories, and uh, if you want to, uh, a good book to read. Have a look at the life of Smith Wigglesworth, amazing man of God. Where people said it's impossible, he said, "No, all things are possible." If 
by God because I've read the word. It says that. And he'd believe it. And, uh, you know, I've, I've often shared this, and I love this story, and, and some have heard it perhaps already, but to show you his understanding of God's word and the power of God, he was called out one time. Someone had passed away. They died, a good friend of his. The family were all crying, crying and mourning. Uh, the body was laid out on the table, as they used to do in those days in the front room. And they said, Pastor Smith, can you come out and just pray and comfort the family? So-and-so has died. And he said, I'll be there in a minute. And he got there. and They're all crying. And he says, we, you know, we're just in a mess. You know, we don't know what to do. And he says, where's the body? He said, oh, it's in the front room. Kicked everybody out of the room. He says, okay. And uh, he went up to the body. And he grabbed the body by the shirt, threw the body up against the wall, and said, in the name of Jesus, live. He let go of the body. It fell to the ground like a rag doll. Now, he could have been discouraged straight away. Well, my prayer's not working today, is it? Uh, but no, he grabbed him again, plonked him against the wall. I said, in the name of Jesus, live. Once again, fell to the ground. I think it was about the third time he grabbed his I said, live in the name of Jesus. And suddenly this man coughed and came back to life. The family heard what was going on, thought, what is he doing in there? To find that their uh, father, their friend had been uh, restored to life. Unbelievable stories. But once again, that's because Smith Wigglesworth was not going to allow the reality of the fallen world to affect him, but he was in the reality of the kingdom of God. All power is available. All things are available to him who believes. And some incredible stories like that, and I think that's what we need to come to an understanding. We are set apart by God, so we need to set our lives apart to him and live for him. And he gives us the power and authority to conquer all things if we walk in that power with faith and belief. But that whole journey this morning starts... If you and I have given our life to Jesus Christ. If you want to see the power of God move in your life, you need to give your life to Jesus Christ. As Paul said, no longer I live, but Christ lives in me. There's a transformation that takes place on the inside. You know, it's like I was the amazing grace story, um, words of the amazing grace, I once was lost, but now I see. You know, it's, it's that transformation. I was lost, but now I see. And this morning, I want to give you an opportunity to receive Christ. To receive Christ is a, a confessing that you've, that you've sinned, that, you've, uh, that you want to give your life to Jesus Christ this morning, that you want to live for Him, repent of your sins. It's acknowledge that God has, has always had His arms out for you, but the, the barrier has been between you and God because of what you've done, not what He has done. So this morning... While we're in this place, I just want everyone just in this last minute just to bow your head, close your eyes. Just allow God to speak to you this morning. Because God is speaking to you. But some of you may have never made that decision yet to follow Christ. Some of you may have made that decision to follow Christ, to give your life to Jesus, knowing you're in the safest hands you could possibly be. And perhaps you're not quite sure what all that means. It doesn't matter. God knows what it means. And if you've got a heart towards him this morning, he will be just to forgive you of your sins. Because we've all done wrong. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. Everyone on this planet has done the wrong thing for God. And we've put up the wall against him. But God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever shall believe in him shall not perish but have eternal life. That is the gift of God. Given his son for our sins. It cost him his son's life 
and it would just cost you your life to live for him. So this morning, I want to ask you in this last moment, have you given your life to Jesus Christ? Or perhaps you have in your fullness. It doesn't matter where you are in this. If you don't know Jesus as your Savior, and even if you want to rededicate this morning, I just want to pray for you this morning. And uh, so I know who I'm praying for. With nobody looking around, just put your hand up and I'll see that hand. And I know I'm praying for someone. So wherever you are in this place, you just feel that touch of God this morning. I need to be right by God. I need to be right with Him. I need Jesus in my life. I need to recommit to Him, whatever it may be this morning. If that's you in this place, just raise your hand and I'll see that. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. The other thing I want to pray for this morning is for those that have kind of lost sight of God a little bit. You know, you believe in God. You go to church. It's all good. But you've forgotten that you've been set apart for a reason, purposing God, a call of God on your life. And you may have even had some knowledge or understanding of it in the past, but you've never really picked it up. But today, God is speaking to you and saying, today is the day. Rise up. Today is the day. Don't look at the failures of the past, but let's start living again from right now. If that's you in this place this morning, you want to grab that what God has put in your heart that you kind of thought would never come to pass. You know, God may have been speaking to you for, some, for years, and you go, yeah, well, that's lovely, God, but it will never happen to me. Well, I'm telling you, if God's put it in your heart, it will happen if you open your heart to him. And if that's you this morning, just raise your hand. I want to pray for you also. Thank you, Jesus. See the hand. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. So, Heavenly Father, today, I pray for those hands that went up. Father, we thank you. You see all. We cannot hide anything from you. But Father, we thank you this morning that your love towards us is greater than any other love. And I pray for those that have a call in their life that you've placed within them, that God, you'll give them the boldness, the courage to stand up, to walk into that new life, trusting, to be that living daily sacrifice, to answer the call of being set apart. Father, I pray for everybody here, that God, you'll bless them, that God, you just touch them this morning with your power, your anointing, and your peace. Heavenly Father, I give you the praise this morning that your name be exalted in this house today. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen.